Thomas Tuchel didn't get 10 points in the first six games of the season. Chelsea would be in a relegation battle now, and I wouldn't be fucking backing against them going down either. It's absolutely <laughs> mad. Like Thomas Tuchel is keeping Chelsea up, and they're on to their third manager this season. It's crazy. And... This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. That's us into the top six there now. <laughs> Let's be real, that was a tough slog for us. But if ever you're going to sit through torture like that, it might as well be to get your fourth win in a row. It's crazy stuff what's happening now. Villa have lifted above Liverpool midweek. Now they've lifted above Brighton today. It's, it's all go. We're in the position. We're in the hunt, Liam. It's, it's, it's mad stuff altogether. Yeah, happy Easter, and you're going to have some fucking job in your hands to bring me back from the dead after that. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm sure being whipped, speared, wearing a crown of thorns and having your fucking organs fail across three days is agony, Conan. But I don't see anyone writing a book about me having to sit through that. Like, you know, where's Mel Gibson now? The, the, the passion of Christ almighty, play the fucking ball forward. Like, it was, <laughs> It was so, so fucking grim. But at the end of it, it all works out all right, doesn't it? We just couldn't get the balance between keeping possession and playing the ball with purpose. The camera kept fucking... like Just to add to the torture, the camera kept flicking to Steve Cooper. He looks like he's struggling to get enough oxygen into his lungs. <laughs> and, it, and it's not fucking... It's not fucking Forrest, that Forrest team, that are taking his breath away anyway. They were treating free kicks five yards inside their own half in the centre of the pitch as an opportunity to get a chance on goal. They're fucking dreadful. They couldn't string a daisy chain together, never mind three fucking passes. <laughs> the highlights package at halftime, really to show what we had to sit through for those 45 minutes, it showed you Watkins' first shot, which sipped about five metres wide. <laughs> and then it showed 10 seconds of Steve Cooper's face grimacing. Just <laughs> grimacing unprovoked. There's nothing happening and he's struggling to keep his eyes open. Then it shows you Emmy Martin is catching a ball. <laughs> These are the sort of games that Gianni Infantino and Kalina, your hero, are, are researching. They're, they're researching these sort of games. They find evidence. They extend the 90 minutes. Like, go find, find a better game to research. Uh, yeah, it wasn't really ideal preparation for playing the seven teams, apart from ourselves, that are placed third to tenth in the next eight games, with the other one being a fucking derby away from home against a team in a relegation battle. But what was ideal preparation for that run was picking up three points, obviously. And there's not a whole lot else left to say, so I'll just speak to you at 3 o'clock next Saturday, will I? That's a big <laughs> one. Home to Saudi Arabia. See you then, mate. <laughs> well, we might as well go into the goals because Big Bertie, this is this is what he does now. I mean, it's, it's so simple sometimes. You're wondering why are we struggling so much to get through these teams and Ashley Young just puts the ball over the top, says, where you where you go, Bertrand Trory? Get after that. Great first touch. Pokes it across. Not into anyone, really. Navas panics. But he panics and gives it to John Joe Shelby. <laughs> Shelby, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. And this is the thing about Bertrand Trory. Like this is two games, two goals now, and not not even what 120 minutes across those two games, and he's punished two terrible mistakes. There's a reason Jose Mourinho brought Bertrand Trory to Chelsea as a youth player and then promoted <laughs> him into the senior team to launch his career. Jose Mourinho, if anybody follows his career. 
only depends on teams making mistakes. Merchant Rory gets it. Jose Mourinho did a whole seminar one time about how his United team beat Ajax in the Europa League. And it was basically, we were keeping the ball away from the middle of the pitch. And we were letting Ajax have the ball in the middle of the pitch. And then we could pounce on them and punish their mistakes. We wanted to not cause mistakes in that area. We wanted to only punish the mistakes. That was his big master plan. Bertrand Terori, it sunk in. He was under Jose Mourinho at the very start of his senior career. And there we go. It gets a second, second mistake in two games. And it's Bertie T on hand just to ruthlessly put it away. Can you imagine Can you imagine a three-man midfield of Ndidi, Shelby and Bertrand Terori? <laughs> that, would be, that would be outrageous I mean these two just serving Bertie T all fucking week it'd be amazing <laughs> yeah I'm sure that Man United team that cost a billion quid to assemble had it wasn't just Jose Mourinho's tactical genius that managed to beat that under 21 IX team either <laughs> but anyway it was a lovely little sandwich from Ashley Young it was the only way we were getting in really and it was a really good aggressive touch and cross from Bertie T and he he follows it up as well. It was absolutely ruthless. And I'd be surprised if I've ever used those adjectives before in describing Bertie T. But, you know, hold the fucking ketchup. This one's getting served with Frank's hot sauce. It was so <laughs> fucking tasty the way he just rammed in there. And it's, it's so unlike him as well. I mean, Kyler Navas makes an absolute mess of the yeah. cross. It's, it's a tempting cross from Bertie, but it's not exactly fizzed across either. Kyler Navas, talk about making a career out of hanging out with better players. Like this, this lad has a this lad has a cabinet full of medals because Man United's fax machine wasn't working, and and, and David de Gea has a bank balance of unearned money because Man United felt guilty about that. And, and then when it falls to fucking Shelby, he makes an absolute mess of it, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer cunt. <laughs> Uh, the second goal, the last touch of the game, really, and it's always sweet when you're centre forward. Ollie Watkins, like this was the beauty of Bertrand Terori punishing the mistake because things got a bit easier from there on. We we knew that would happen. I think we'll talk about teams that are going to set up like this against Aston Villa going forward. If it, this is what's going to happen if you keep winning games, teams are going to come to Villa Park especially and say, no, you're all right. We're not going to push up and let you pass around us like you can obviously do. We'll just sit back here. But once... Forest eventually decided they start pushing up <laughs> Villa started playing some ball and it was an enjoyable seven minutes anyway the last last seven minutes of the game Watkins getting some space in at the edge of the box it just felt like he wanted to score and I thought he was going to shoot he was running a long way there just trying to get into position thinking this is very easy I want to score but then he kicked in this isn't the right thing to do you hit this on my left foot I'll give it to Ramsey before that he did a little step over and Felipe goes to ground I don't know what he thought was happening and he gives it to Ramsey Ramsey gets it back to him the first touch is glorious just to skip by that tackle that's flying out and then to lift it over the keeper and then whip the top off just to complete it all my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lovely little bit of interplay between Doggy and JJ up to the point where JJ shows all the fucking composure of a Springer Spaniel in a sausage factory. I, I, I think I think he can just hit that one with the, with his instep first time. I mean, yeah, his attempt touch. to control it, yeah, it, was, yeah. It, was, it was closer to being a shot than a fucking first touch. Yeah. And then after that, it's a lovely little sandwich from Ashley Young. It was one of the only ways we were getting in all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it's a lovely sensual touch from Bertie this time, a bit more of what we're used to. Even down to the underhit pass to Ollie Watkins, <laughs> who has to go out and collect the ball. And I assume he was just desperate for a goal, and that's why he doesn't doesn't give it to Doggy or JJ earlier. 
and JJ, just like Jesus before him, you know, he fell more than three times today, Conan. But it's it's not about how many times you fall, it's about how many times you get back up and he does he does the right thing. The pass is perfect and it's just enough on it to to suck in the defender. And yes, I might be overstating the five yard pass because I know I know you're just you're just waiting to condemn JJ and have him publicly flailed and mocked, but you know, plenty of time for that and I'm not quite ready to kiss him on the cheek yet. So it's a delicious pass from JJ. <laughs> And when all he and when all he does get it back from, it's just two moments of absolute magic, two delicious touches, the technique, the composure. I mean, like, what more could you really want from your centre forward? Well, you know, for example, intelligence, power, aggression, selflessness. Luckily, Ollie Watkins has all those in spades as well. I know you think I'm Pontius Pilate. You think I'm here washing my hands off JJ, but I'm not. <laughs> he needs to be celebrated. A hundred appearances as a 21 year old. I know you love those sort of stats, like a young person, you know, accumulating experience. And he definitely is getting experience. Uh, don't think it was his best days. Touches a bit all over the place, but he did keep going. He did get the assist, and he got the assist for the player you always want to score. Yeah, I don't want to overstate the five yard pass as well. But Jacob Ramsey is the personification of the same. Fall eight times, get up one time, and Ollie Watkins <laughs> might score that one time. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave it there. We got WhatsApp when just. Hey, folks! I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy. Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Talk about A lot of fines to hand out <laughs> this week, unfortunately. I don't think we handed out any, did we? Uh, midweek, but today... There's a few to talk about. Ashley Young, the classic, the thing that started this whole thing off, the right foot across from the right-hand side. It goes out of play for a goal kick. It was during the Moreno attack. I mean, it's, it's a poor decision. Moreno whips it across. I think Bailey misses it, but it comes out to Ashley Young and everyone's telling him to shoot. He's got so many options. It's the wrong choice and it's terrible execution as well. I don't know what happened there. It's so unlike Ashley Young. Yeah, it was dreadful, and he probably should have just spanked. There was a couple of times as well. But do you know when a game is going like that, and you're just, just somebody have a fucking shot? Because we're not doing anything else. It's yeah, exactly. It's pointless. If you want to cross the ball out for a fucking goal kick, why not just shoot it out of play for a goal <laughs> kick? 
Watkins did it as well across the board for a goal kick, same sort of angle. Buendia did the old pass for a throw-in. It's the edge, it's, that was annoying because it was the edge of the box. He was central and he was trying to poke it out to Moreno. He just poked it behind him. and He did it again with a cross-field pass, looking for Jacob Ramsey in the second half, straight out of play. It wasn't the best day at the office for old Emmy Buendia. At that one to JJ, it was ridiculous. JJ was standing next to a fucking Forest player as well. Yeah. He was being marked. What the fuck was what? The, I don't know what he saw there. And he attempts a fucking 50-yard pass. It was bad foot as well. Bad yeah. bad decision on a bad day. There was a bad period there in the second half. Mings hit one out for a throw-in. Then Dougie did one looking for Moreno. It's always per Moreno. And he's always trying to react to these shit passes. And... Buendia was the, probably the worst of them all so far. He gave away a corner trying to pass it to Mings. Now, I don't know if Mings could have been a bit more hurried in trying to keep it from going out for a corner. Like, he was so casual there. Like, he just... Buendia completely overhit it, and Mings... I don't know. I feel like he could have gotten there before he did, but he wanted to take a nice touch. He did take a nice touch, but he took it off the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an absolutely insane, insane pass from Buendia, and the, the pass he's given for Mings there is for Mings to fucking welly it clear anyway. So just flick it up and do it yourself. I mean, the three of them were dicking around. Him, Moreno and Mings were dicking around for a long time. Between the three of them, none of them were going anywhere. Yeah. I don't know where Douglas Louise was. Don't know where JJ was. Don't know where McGinn was. There must have been space, though, because the Forest press was quite good, quite aggressive. But there must have been someone to find inside. But if they weren't finding him, just fucking get rid of it instead of giving it out for a corner. Yeah. Against, against such... There's nothing that gives me bigger palpitations done conceding set pieces to teams who are fucking useless, especially yeah. when you haven't scored yet yourself. Diving as a form of defending, Douglas Aweez is guilty this time. He did it on the sort of left of midfield, fell over, tried to win a free kick. Referee wasn't interested like he wasn't interested. And most uh, fouls anyway, or most challenges, this was, wasn't a foul. We'll talk more about Anthony Taylor in a little bit, but Douglas Aweez playing, like, you know, that was... That was risky stuff there. Forest, thankfully, weren't good, so they didn't didn't make any heed with it. Like it was pointless. Yeah, yeah, and JJ did it later on as well. You're probably about to say it, where he looks back at the referee, then gets back up and starts running because he realizes he's not going to get a free kick for that. Not in the Premier League, not in adult football anyway. Yeah, well, we're just going to jump straight to a different category, which is called, and it's one that's very familiar to everyone now. Did Jacob Ramsey have a shot at the edge of the box? <laughs> Or did he thump it out of play with a shit pass to Trorori? <laughs> Come on, I, I like the Arthur Young thing. If you're going to do that, just have the shot. Have the shot! You're Jacob Ramsey! Have the shot! Or yeah. put it in front, front of Trorori so he can do something. Yeah, he's just not getting them away quickly enough. He's not He's not getting it out of his feet. Like anytime it looks like the chance is there and he shows a bit of composure, he's not knocking the ball far enough out of his feet to get the shot. Or he's just taking a terrible first touch. Or he's looking for a pass that he doesn't need to look for. I think he, I don't think Jacob Ramsey remembers how good he is at finishing. It's strange. It's, it's always frustrating when there's a good player who doesn't appreciate how good they are at these things. Like Sometimes people are really good at running. Sometimes people are good at finishing, like you say, and they don't back themselves to do it. And they need to know... You're in the team because of those qualities, those exact qualities. That's what we want you to do. And Jacob Ramsey, the one he was fouled for, again, Anthony Taylor didn't give. <laughs> he should have hit that first time because he was just running into two bodies anyway. I know he's strong, mm. running into two forest players. It was there for him to hit first time. And he was 19 yards out, took the touch. In fairness, he got fouled, so he should have won the free, but he also should have just hit the shot. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's not gonna get like to get there. He's stretching. There's a defender coming in behind him. There's a defender in front of him. 
just have a little have a little snapshot from every once in a while because it catches goalkeepers out. I don't know why more footballers don't do it. I think Mohamed Salah is the only player that I it's really noticeable that they do it where they just get the shot away instantly. He's done it loads in the last two years. Just something that he brought into his game. I remember he did it against Villa in that glorious seven two victory. He was just shooting so quickly that it's unexpected. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously helped by the fact that Matt Target was the left back. That. <laughs> He didn't have to probably move as quickly as he was during those goals, but it's something he's brought into his game. And I don't know why more footballers don't do it. Just that little moment of unexpected play is something that works. Yeah, like Bertrand Trory. Exactly, like Bertrand Trory. <laughs> Bertrand Trory and Mo Salah, the two best right wingers in the Premier League. I was going to say, you're, you're really reaching, looking for a Mo Salah comparison when it's right under your nose. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Winges? Alan Hutton after the first corner, after the first Forest corner, obviously. I think we got one the whole match. And it was a poor corner from Gibbs White. They might not get too many opportunities to put the ball in the box. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's not true. You got eight corners in total. And from the very throw-in from that corner that got cleared by the first man, they throw the ball into the Villa box and Villa <laughs> defenders are falling over themselves. It's a fucking shambles. And you're right. The amount of times, especially in that second half then, when you're like, oh, like, this team are offering nothing and something's going to happen. They're going to put a corner in and something's going to happen. And like, I did have this thought, like, I'm not watching 30 minutes of them having corners. <laughs> I'm not putting up with this. I'll come back and check the score later. But uh, thankfully, Gibbs White hit every corner. <laughs> so if you think about Gibbs White's first two crosses, they were terrible like, straight to the first man. And then I think he got it right for the next six in that, he got it over the first minute. It seems like that's where he was trying to put it, just into that area where Mings was standing and there seemed that Watkins was right there and Kanza, maybe there were three big Villa players standing there on challenge for every single one of his corners. It was so bizarre. Actually, maybe for the last two, I wasn't even worried, even though it got later in the game. I was like, he's going to do the same thing and Mings is going to head it clear. Yeah, and there was a couple then that Martinez just came out because he knew exactly where the corners were going <laughs> and just punched through them clear. It was mad. I actually thought their throw-ins were more dangerous. I've never seen a throw-in technique like that. He, like, he ran up to the line, stopped, then <laughs> killed all his momentum, then bent from the hips backwards and just launched the ball. It was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how. He was throwing the ball 40 yards from a standing start. It's fucking madness. <laughs> And it was going 60 yards in the air first. Before. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very impressive stuff. Second WhatsApp whinge. Why are people such scumbags? <laughs> Fed up, why? Crystal Palace are all over my radar now and like you can add Forrest to this list. The Tofalu tackle on Ramsey. What is the need for that? And he should have had a second yellow when he finally got a yellow for the tackle on Bertrand Terori, like late in the game, another scumbag tackle, Shelby on Moreno, like that mm. like should have been a second yellow, after his fucking one on Buendia, so Shelby gets away with it then, when he cynically, fouls Moreno, trying to come out, on a counter attack, completely cleans him, after the ball's knocked away, Felipe, all over my radar, this boy as well, He's, he reminds me of Tarkowski, just coming hammering into people, I don't know, come on, are we playing football or not? Yeah, the Toffolo one I thought was strange. Was that even checked? Like it's oh. it's high, it's off the ground, and he crunches into him as well at a at a fair old rate of knots. And I'm using knots there because he moves around the pitch with all the grace of a fucking ocean liner. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's that is the most common way that I've been foiled. You know, a stamping motion on the top of the foot or around the ankle. But I'm not playing against Premier League footballers. I wouldn't <laughs> explain what. 
what Premier League footballer thinks he's going to, the best way to win the ball is to come down at a height when the ball's on the fucking ground. It's a horrible tackle from Toffolo. Disgusting. Shelby's one as well, where he, he, like that, he was flying into Buendia there. Yeah. Like, wraps his leg around Buendia from behind at pace. Like, again, like, you know, as fast as John Joe Shelby can move anyway. But, like, you know, two. <laughs> Two tackles that those boys couldn't have put much more power behind themselves, and the rest happy. Like you didn't even seem that happy to give them a yellow card. It was like it was strange. It's like you know, it's like oh, I suppose I better. You've done a couple of these now. Fucking madness. Yeah. Well, Kanza did get a yellow card off this referee, Anthony Taylor. He got a yellow card for telling Awuni to stop pushing people. <laughs> he, he gave Kanza a yellow card for saying, "Would you stop pushing? He was pushing Mings. Kanza wasn't even involved." And they were arguing, and he gets a, can you get a yellow card for arguing with a player? Especially when that player is being a bit of a scumbag and he's a calm down. I wouldn't have thought so, no. Unless unless he's used foul language, Conan, but we're not exactly going to be the podcast to give out about that. <laughs> the last WhatsApp win is probably the most important and definitely the most frustrating for that entire first 45 minutes, which was painful, let's be honest, to sit through. Is Brennan Johnson paying tax for living offside? <laughs> This is a joke, and Ronan on Twitter is right to, to ask. He said, at what point does he get a yellow card for being offside? It was, it was a joke how many times he was offside. Yeah, persistent foul play. <laughs> do, you know, do you know if someone even mentions Tetris, you know, never mind if you play it for 20 seconds, every time you close your eyes, you can see, all you can see is the blocks falling, and, you know, you start playing a game in your head, and a, a game that you fucking lose, even though your own mind is picking the blocks. <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm just going to see flags getting raised behind me eyelids. And, and they'll be coming up late as well, even though in my own mind is the one that's controlling the assistance flag. It's fucking madness. There was one in the first half. It was, a, it was a full three yard, three yards offside. And the assistant just lets the lads all pelt back there with fucking hamstring snapping recovery runs. And then yeah. Martinez makes a good save. And then the flag goes up. And then we have fucking Hutton and Cocoms. Now, now, I have to assume he was taking the piss because he says, at least that's something to build on. Like, Alan, they didn't get a chance. They, they fundamentally broke the rules and, <laughs> and it looks like a chance because the connection between the assistant's spinal cord and arms are fundamentally broken as well. And the fucking signals are moving through his nerves at the pace of Harry Maguire on the half turn. That wasn't a chance. They might as well pick the ball up, put it up their t-shirt and ran all the way through and then volleyed it in out of their hands. Like, you know, that's not a chance that they've created here. <laughs> In fairness, those assistants were asked to do a lot of work today. Like they, they must have been tired having they follow these offsides and put the flags up. I've never <laughs> seen assistants having to having to be overworked as much as they were today. Like this Brennan Johnson boy, I've heard a lot about him. And all he did was stand offside every single time they were attacking. It was madness. Yeah, it's crazy as well. And but to be fair, I know if I'm if I'm playing against Cons and Mings and even Moreno as well, I'm going to be fucking cheating up there as well. I'm going to want all the help I can get. Unfortunately, the one way you can't cheat and get away with it anymore is offside. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll come back after this with some award categories. Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greenlish. And now we've been gutted, organ donors for the rich, Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees are taking our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. 
We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual, it's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Oh, Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve a problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly. We've got to think differently. It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, we're still trying to replace Gian. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyze and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. We create him in the aggregate. What? A walk. His creativity, his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency on one brilliant footballer. Add that up and you get... Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings. They truly are the future. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. Let's start with the Rosenthal Award, which is more and more becoming just every shot that I can remember award. <laughs> not so much a Rosenthal, and sometimes it's not even a shot. It's like, this could have been a shot if that player didn't block it or that player had a passed it. What a way to set up the next 10 minutes of the show there, Conan. I'm sure everyone will be fucking hanging by a thread now to hear this. What could have happened in that moment that I matched that I don't remember? Let's go. Stick around. Let's I, see I, I, I'm on fucking tenterhooks anyway. Come on, let's go. Stop fucking pecking around. Let's get through this. The juicy bit. First nomination. Watkins, the one that hit across the goals that we talked about. Very start of the game. Forrest gave it away. Get it on target there. I know you're trying to hit the bottom corner. Just get the crowd going. Smash it off the keeper. Get a corner. Let Douglas the wee shoot. Um, Moreno had a cross in. Uh, That's the one Bailey does. That thing where he misses the ball instead of just scoring. Probably, probably not a reasonable to say about Bailey and we got less content out of him today, but he, he went off pretty early. Yeah, the, the first one, is it, the, the cheeky ball onto Buendia was on. It was a really strange technique from Watkins as well, from that angle and that body shape to go with that with his instep. And he was always going to drag it once he made that decision. And I think you're right, that early in the game, he probably should just put his fucking laces through it. The Bailey air shot, I mean, in the lead up to that, there's a lovely little nutmeg from Moreno. And he, he tries the ball around the corner to JJ. Nothing really comes of it. It comes back out. And Moreno manufactures something again and puts the cross in. And then fucking Hutton on Kukoms again tells us, that the, tells us that the cross wasn't great. Like, what? Like, yeah. like I, I know I know you would have just got on the ball and drilled it into the bottom corner, Alan. But he's put, he's put that <laughs> onto his left-footed teammate's left foot nine yards out in the middle of the goals. It's a perfect cross for Moreno yeah. but he's going to have to learn though that that's absolutely pointless if it's Leon Bailey's left foot yeah. because Leon Bailey likes nothing more than missing the fucking ball perfect cross to one of the most expensive players in Aston Villa's history <laughs> in fairness to Leon Bailey it was for a volley Gibbs White 
didn't have that obstacle in front of him. Gibbs White, all he had to do was hit the ball with his right foot that was rolled onto his right foot. And he has an air shot so bad that he falls on his arse. Like he tried to kick the ball that hard, I assume, and just completely missed it. Legs swung in the air and took his body horizontal where he landed onto the grass. He had a terrible afternoon, speaking of expensive signings. Yeah, he absolutely did. Playing completely out of position as well, I would say. It's a bizarre, bizarre setup from this from this Nottingham Forest team. I mean, I, I don't know what they're trying to achieve here. It's like it's like they decided we're going to get out of trouble by doing fucking nothing. Yeah. Like that's that's their approach to avoiding relegation. Let's just hope everybody else fucks up more than we do. Insane. That's the young pitching wage over the top to Leon Bailey <laughs> before Burton Terori came on. This is where Bailey got injured, and it's the one good thing he did in the game, unfortunately. He drove inside, he went on his right foot, he drove inside the fullback, got it across really well to Watkins. Header, great save by Navas, I'd say. Goal kick. <laughs> yeah, Watkins can't just, just can't get any luck at that near post guy after last week's debacle. It's yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful ball from Young again, and Bailey does well. Obviously, it's on his right foot, and he actually did he actually did really well to get the cross in as well because he pulls his hamstring before he crosses it. And to be fair to him, I wouldn't have associated that that toughness from to Leon Bailey. I mean, yeah. you can see him pull his hamstring, and then he stands back down on his left and crosses the ball anyway. It was fucking brilliant for him. Fair play to him. If we had a if we had a got got a goal from that, which we very nearly did, it we would have been an absolute hero. Yeah. We had the Bertie Burger later on, but before that, we got the Bertie Balloon. We got the Bertie, the Bertie Balloon. It's Alex Moreno again. I mean, this boy is starting to cook now these last few weeks. He really is involved in so many chances. Cross in, Watkins doesn't just get there, but it comes right through to Burton Trory. It's an easier chance than the Bailey one, I would say, because he has more time. It's time to take a touch, and he even has time to... He, he tries it with his instep on the volley, and, jeez, he just catches it at the top of his... I wouldn't even say laces. I'd say he caught it with that ankle just in between the top of his foot and his shin. I think you're being very kind to Murray about where he caught it as well. I mean, it does. It probably <laughs> skips up higher, higher than expected, and you would you would nearly feel sorry for him. But you know, he's the one who commits to fucking shinning it into the whole tent, and he's got no. There's absolutely no reason to do that because a chasm has opened up in the middle of the forest box, and he. He does have time for a touch. Once the ball does something unexpected, don't just continue to do the thing you were going to do before the ball did that. Fucking take a touch, Bertie. I'm all for Ollie Watkins trying a volley, dropping over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guy who's feeling good out there. And not only that, not only is it a really bad connection and it goes horribly over the bar, the fans sing his name after he does it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was absolute madness. I mean, what the fuck was he thinking there? It's, I think it was a three-on-three situation that had developed for Villa there, and then he tries a one-in-a-hundred volley instead. It was fucking madness. Take a touch, Ollie. That was an incredibly difficult shot. Ollie Watkins is a vibes player now. He was, he was walking out, you know, as the team were walking out before the game, and he was giving the fist bump to the crowd. <laughs> he was celebrating before the game had started. <laughs> This boy is manifesting all sorts of chaos out there. It's brilliant stuff. And your hero, Jacob Ramsey, we need to talk about him. We Obviously, I think that the touch for the Dougie pullback late on was really bad. We find, thankfully got a goal not long after that. But before that, I don't know if you remember Unai Emery seemingly balling him out of it. He kicked the ball out of play. He was just 
I don't know, he was rushing what he was doing. He just tried to get it away from himself as a tackle was coming in and he poked it and went out for a throw-in. He avoided a, a fine for that in WhatsApp winges. But <laughs> Unai Emery was going crazy. And then only seconds later, Ramsey won the ball on the left. He, somebody was trying to kick it out of play and he kept it in play and he drove someone Dougie Louise played down the left wing for him. And then he breaks, he's away. It's like, here it is. And he just he's got indecisive again. He tries to come on his right telegraph it's easily taken away he needs to just go for the byline doesn't need to get to the byline he just needs to pull it across him with his left foot like we've seen him do and Watkins is in there give him something to get onto yeah I think he just needs to do like he's done it himself before as well but that classic one of Watkins where the defender knows you're right footed and they're waiting for you to go so you just yeah. show them you're going to go and then don't and just have a shot with your left foot it's always it's always easier because that's where the space is and uh, Jacob Ramsey, I know he can hit the ball with his left foot. I can fucking hit the ball with my left foot when I'm moving at that speed as well. It's, there's no reason for him not to do it. It's it's madness. And you said there, thankfully, we got a goal after his miss earlier on in the game with the heavy touch. We got a goal because of Jacob Ramsey's pass. Ollie Watkins got him. Let's not just whitewash that. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and the only other nomination was the Buendia volley wide. I thought this was a good move. But Moreno with a pullback. Speaking of getting to the byline, I thought he completely overrun it. But Jesus, he's a whippet sometimes. And not only does he get there way before he goes out of play, he's able to lift it as he's sliding into the ball. He lifts it back. And Buendia has a nice volley. He wrecks it. And that's, it's far enough wide than it looked initially. Yeah, the amount of times Moreno runs the ball out of play but still gets the crossing is absolutely <laughs> insane. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how he's managing this, what alchemy he's pulling off here to try and to confuse the assistant referees, but they never seem to spot it that he's crossing the ball from the fucking advertising hoardings. Because I've played football enough times, I know whenever someone's overrun the ball, I don't know how he manages to do this. It's madness. He's like Forrest Gump. We just need to unfurl the stop running sign. Somebody is obviously <laughs> doing that, and he's able to stop running just in time, and he's pulling it back. And, and the skill he's able to produce when he's in those areas is, is quite something. I think the winner... It's probably Gibbs White overall and then Birdie T from a Villa point of view. Ah, definitely, yeah. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Douglas Louise just drilled the ball at Mings from about four metres away. Again, <laughs> dicking around down the left. You were saying in the start of the podcast, where was Douglas Louise at that time? Well, here he was. He was part of the dicking around. And he just hits it at Tyrone Mings's knees. And I think Mings wins a free and he goes absolutely ballistic at Douglas Louise and say, what are you doing? Like Again, I want to clear it, so either set it up for me to clear it or you just clear it yourself. Yeah, it was a drilled pass at a position or a part of your body. It's very fucking difficult to control the ball with. I mean, I don't, I don't, I know Terno Mings is brilliant at football, but it's really difficult to get the ball under control with your fucking shin. It was a stupid pass from Douglas Louise. Yeah. There was a textbook one from JJ in the middle of the pitch, just a bit indecisive. Buendia was coming off him, but he wasn't off him yet, so Ramsey wasn't sure, should I wait for him to go past me, or should I go this way? Oh, I lost the ball, and, and Forrest broke, and the worst of them all. Like, this is, oh, the, you know, the very worst of us comes out when Ezra Conza does something good by running up the pitch and taking a few players out of it, and, you know, I think it gets it to Bertie T. But then Mings, the ball comes into the centre and Mings tries a little flick over Douglas Louise's head with the outside of his boot. I think he's trying to find I he's trying to find Buendia. Meanwhile, Dundonker is in Kanza's space but decides to step up. He decides to step up into midfield because the midfielder has the ball, forgets about the striker. Ball's played through. 
Emmy Martinez is out to save us because he's always on alert. Yeah, like, then Donker knows what Mings is capable of with the ball with his feet. Like, you know, once that ball player gets on it, then Donker knows he can go because he's in safe hands. <laughs> Absolutely crazy pass. And the technique involved in playing the pass as well, that awkward outside of the boot with the ball ahead of him. Crazy decision, but absolutely brilliant from Martinez. And this is a a really good development of his game in the last what would it be six or seven weeks? It's great. Yeah, it really is. It's it's so nice when it works, isn't it? It's just like oh, I can imagine how crushing it is for the opposition. Think you're away, bang, you're not. And the size of that big cunt coming out as well. You could see. <laughs> I can't remember which uh, forward it was for Forrest, but he was. He was running a lot more to his left than he probably should have been as well. All his weight was on his left leg as he was bearing down in inverted commas on Emmy Martinez. Speaking of which, the Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting it. Shithousery award. He could probably get a nomination for his physical shithousery there, but I think the winner has to go to Tyro Mings. He ran the ball. He, again, good run from him, but he had it was sort of a run just to clear the danger. He broke down the left completely on his own, ended up running out of play. And <laughs> he went after the ball, in fairness to him, picks it up, and he offered it to three separate Forest players <laughs> as, he's run, as he's running back. And it was really clever because he's, he extends the ball out. So everybody sort of stops. They're disabled. They think, okay, he's giving us the ball back. Then he runs past him. Then he offers it to the next person. And then he runs past him, offers it to the next person, runs past him and chucks it over his head as he's in position there. <laughs> yeah, very, very clever. Not so clever, though, to just run directly out of play with a ball on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> a lot smarter with a ball on his hands there. This is the sort of game it was where we're highlighting somebody running the ball out of play. And, and, and we're highlighting Moreno not running the ball out of play. This is all this game came down to today. Uh... So this is another combination of this category. We've done this a few times. With Tim Sherwood, we play two number 10s and bamboozled them award. And uh, you let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty, mostly just so we can talk about some stuff. I think in terms of the Tim Sherwood award, Emmy Martinez sweeping is definitely one that we should be highlighting. Ramsey, again, it's probably a bit of both, but I think he's definitely better on the left. I think that's clear now, right? Yeah, I don't think you have any arguments. He played well initially under Emery on the right, but... I think he's just more comfortable on the left coming in and he's got the whole pitch to look at. Oh yeah, we'll avoid it out. And it's I think we might as well we, we need to persist with that as well because we need to get John McGinn back over onto the right hand side as well. It just gives the team so much more balance and so much more purpose. Um Emmy Martin is coming off the line, like we said, it's absolutely brilliant. But Jacob Ramsey has to play there. Buendia has to play as close to Ollie Watkins as possible and as preferably in as much of a free role as possible especially if he has to play in midfield you have to find another way to play that frees up Emmy Buendia so he doesn't have to do that job that Jacob yeah. Ramsey and John McGinn can, are doing because Buendia is not as good at it he doesn't have the same running power as the meter so yeah no definitely Jacob Ramsey has to play on the left Danny got in touch to say may I suggest Emery recalled Bertie and bamboozled the league award <laughs> again that's obviously worth a nomination recalling Bertrand Shirori and especially so again we talked about the Thin Squad on Tuesday night there's a podcast there if you want to go back and listen to that if you haven't done already but the updates from the Aston Villa social media accounts I think we all appreciated them at the start of the year it really was a great advancement especially in clarity telling us here's the update on every player they've gotten a bit annoying recently 
the th- <laughs> three updates we got this time updates on our players Kamara unavailable continue unavailable cash unavailable <laughs> what is for no update at all just like just like the same as it was and I'd no further information just these players aren't available didn't say anything about them training or not and you think about that like that's every line midfield continue for the forward midfield cash and defence you know, if you want to go and cover all the lines we sold Danny Ings in January this is what Emmy Martin is is working with or Emmy Martin is Jesus you and I Emery what am I talking about <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Emmy Martin is his backup is Robin Olsen so every single line <laughs> We really are struggling, you know, for depth. And when you take out Kamara, Coutinho, Cash, Ings, if you want, and include Olsen, then it's, you know, it's paper thin. And once again, the job that Emery's doing is worth highlighting. And maybe you've sort of already burst my balloon when you mentioned the teams that Villa have to play (laughs) or the positions (laughs) in the table coming up now in the next eight games which is scary and maybe it is just worth bearing in mind. This run has been unbelievable. I can't believe we're in the conversation. We're in the top six out of nowhere. We haven't had a run like this since 2019. Aston Villa Stato had a great stat saying that we haven't put together in the same season three home wins since 2007. So I'm just thinking, is the Martin O'Neill run, that, 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 that run to eventually not getting into the Champions League was that, was that the last big run of form that we've been able to enjoy as Aston Villa outside of the one in the Championship and now Unai Emery has brought this about and I'm not saying it's all going to capitulate I'm just saying he is working with very few resources at the minute and it's just amazing that we're in this position yeah, because that game was going so badly that you, were, I was thinking anyway. Jesus, you could take you could take off McGinn to freshen up. You could definitely take off Buendia. You could definitely take off Jacob Ramsey. And then you look at the bench and say, Jesus, you can't take off McGinn. You can't take <laughs> off Buendia, and you can't take off Jacob Ramsey. It was madness. It was it was it was. We've got such such a thin squad. And even when Bertrand Troy came on, he okay, won the game for Aston Villa, but he did very little else in the game. The pass, the pass behind Watkins to set up the winner, and one time when he really unsuccessfully tried to waste time in the corner, yeah. he just ran down to the byline and failed to back heel it off the defender and just knocked it out of play. <laughs> They're the only really involvements of Bertrand Trory I, I can remember. Really tough game to play as well. Whenever you're playing against a team of utter cowards, like it's it's a really difficult game to play in, and it doesn't suit a lot of our players. But really really stark the inability to bring on another player to try and change it to try and open up the opposition you know you'd love to have a player like Coutinho there but he just doesn't have it but he's just getting on with it and he's winning games regardless it's absolutely incredible and yeah the run under Martin O'Neill was brilliant what, what was it I think it was something like 16, 16 games undefeated other than two group games in the UEFA Cup that we had already qualified from yeah but look how that ended up for us let's hope that's not what we're going towards now because I don't think I don't think I don't think we picked up a win in the next 12 games after they decided that's it we're going we're going for the Champions League as soon as he made that decision he made that announcement we didn't win in fucking 12 games including just <laughs> including just conceding a a last 32 round the 32 game in the second tier European competition what is the point of not trying to win that competition so you can try and fail to qualify for a competition that you cannot win madness <laughs> well we don't have to worry about not winning that competition next time next time we're in it I'll do it <laughs> 
Uh, only other one I have for this combined category is. <laughs> Why are these categories combined? <laughs> Tim Sherwood and the Glam. Shit, shit slash good managerial decisions. Let's go. <laughs> Because I'm not sure which was which this time. You're the Ramsey thing. I feel like it could have been criticised, but then he did move him. Um, and uh, this one is now it's more of a discussion rather than you know praising or or criticising. But now that we do always win, and we're used to that now, and teams know <laughs> te- teams know that, and they know you know what we can do. Uh, will more of them just do what Forrest do? Like I, I get that that was extreme. That was a bit pathetic. You were thinking. Couple of times, Forrest should have had a break, but they had nobody to break. It was, it was actually very comforting when you thought, "Ah, oh, shit, we're caught out here," and then now nah, there's, there's nobody there. And but we do struggle to get through it. So maybe a better team will just set up that way off the ball and then have something better to do on the ball. You see, like you see, when they had to come out, you know, we're so adept at playing through them, and especially that last five minutes, the last seven minutes, like I talked about. But before that, it was peripheral. It was very slow. Buendia was extremely wide. Like he was, I felt like it was the flattest midfield that we've had. You know, on the ball, Buendia was very wide. Ramsey was, I don't know where he was, and <laughs> and there was there wasn't that link with the attack because Bailey was one of the attack as well, which is never ideal. So, just <laughs> what's the what's the plan when this happens again? Yeah, to be fair, I think that game was more anomalous than the other games. I, mean, I, I don't think I don't think. Forest have shown everyone a blueprint of how to, you know, beat Aston Villa, particularly because we won two 0 But you know, we, <laughs> <laughs> whenever we, whenever we play against, whenever we play against a setup like that, like we did for large, but like Leicester pressed a bit more aggressively, but they were fucking their lines were only ever forty meters apart as well. We still create a lot of chances. That was, that was a mental thing today. It might even have just been in their quads. You know, they didn't look like they could run as aggressively. They didn't look like they could make decisions as quickly. It, it was a strange, strange, lethargic performance from the team that I don't think we'll see repeated. I, I just I just don't know how this Aston Villa team will play like that again. And we probably had our lowest amount of chances under Unai Emery in that game. And that's not because we face that system because Forests are absolutely shit. Like I said, it's only it is all to do with ourselves. It's not like we can't play against the system. We were playing against ourselves today, and we couldn't get up for it. And it's really, really fucking difficult to get up for games whenever the opposition is shit. I really mean that. Everybody knows that. If you're playing against players who aren't as good as you, it's really easy to let the game drift by, and that's just something that Unai Emery has to get clear in their heads next time. But I do think speaking about the. The next eight games, I really do think that Villa play to the level of the opponent as well. I think we can we can raise our game against better opposition, and we will, especially because there's going to be so much space in behind them instead of just looking at that absolute shambolic Nottingham Forest setup. <laughs> yeah, I think this run's obviously really good. You could you could almost extend it back to Arsenal, where Villa were really good as well in terms of performances. Like that's something to be hopeful for. For Arsenal, haven't collapse like maybe we maybe you thought Mikel Arteta would collapse somewhere along the way they've they've continued on their league winning form really and Villa definitely could have won that game it was taken away from them very late on uh and they've beaten Chelsea and they've got Newcastle next so that that will definitely be a big tester to see 
because Newcastle are <laughs> Newcastle have this thing where they're very solid at the back and they're scoring a lot of goals. So that's a good combination. <laughs> but so are Aston Villa, Conan. Aston Villa have scored every game and Emery's been in charge. And what what have we conceded now? Two goals in the last seven games. Yeah, and like Barnes, it, Barnes and Pelde. Yeah, and it Barnes and a penalty. <laughs> and, I, and I know a penalty that should have shouldn't have been. And I know I know the opposition wasn't wasn't brilliant, but conceding two goals in seven games is brilliant, regardless of the opposition. Yeah. Let's do a couple of Vimans. Maybe just going up. I don't know. Emmy Martinez is going up, I think. Would you agree with that? Like the, the sweeping keeper you've mentioned, it's it is it's it's good how quickly he's gotten so used to that and effective at that. I, I every time I see a villa keeper doing that well, I just keep remembering Pepe Reina trying it and failing. <laughs> Pepe Reina getting to the ball six seconds after it's already been knocked past him. Christ <laughs> almighty. Yeah, Emmy Martinez was solid enough today. A couple of punches from crosses in really crowded areas, which isn't his normal style, but they were really effective punches as well. So, yeah, no and no, no, no qualms of Emmy Martinez today. <laughs> I think Moreno's going up, and I think we should take Douglas O'Ease down one peg, just because he's been that high. Might as well just uh, give him a little kick up the arse. <laughs> yeah, n- nobody in the midfield was particularly effective today. Um, yeah, Douglas Louise can definitely come down because he has been so absolutely elite. Yeah, uh, then Donker for coming on when we weren't 2 0 down. Then <laughs> <laughs> Donker for coming back from the dead. <laughs> Bertie T's obviously going up, match winner again makes a difference. Like if he doesn't get that goal, I know it was gift wrapped him. Only Bertie T puts it in the side netting like that as well. Uh like that that made a difference in that match. Villa might have struggled even more. They would have had to throw on Duran. You know, would have just lost. Not that that's a bad thing, but we just would have been throwing anything at it at that stage and still not getting through. We would have started forcing balls through, but getting it very early in the second half is very important. And I think Ollie Watkins has to go up again as well. Yeah, Holly Watkins has to go up. But the way he took the goal was absolutely magical. It was brilliant from from him. It was so clinical and so so much quality in it as well. Yeah. All right, let's do questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is it too early for Talksport to do a segment about the Chelsea players throwing Frank Lampard under the bus? <laughs> this is the beauty. Like this is the most bonkers appointment I can remember ever. Like Frank Lampard, every appointment Frank Lampard's had has been bonkers. It's like, maybe apart from the Derby one, but even then, for a team we're trying to get promoted, that was still a gamble. You see, at least maybe thought this guy might come good. Ever since, he gets a Chelsea job from the Derby job, from doing what's the same job that happened with Derby the year before. Gets the Chelsea (laughs) job, fucks that up, gets Everton job, almost gets him relegated, has to get sacked. And then he gets a Chelsea job. He gets a Chelsea job off the back of getting sacked by Everton for Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche is in a better job at Everton. Of course he is. Like that's not even a, a mad statement. That that's not even like you know, poking fun. Sean Dyche is a better manager, an infinitely better manager than Frank Lampard, who is now the new Chelsea manager. And he <laughs> thinks that he might be able to keep it long term because as Jamie Redknapp would say, he knows the club. <laughs> knows the club I think that's something that we really didn't consider when we were hiring Unai Emery we should have gotten somebody who knew 
the Aston Villa dressing room, the you know, I mean the physical dressing room before we got <laughs> before, before we hired a manager. At least the only thing I can think of, speaking of Talksport, is that we will get another Jake Humphreys tweet, because I assume he will <laughs> just next season when Nagelsmann wins the league for Chelsea, Jake Humphrey will congratulate Frank Lampard for his role <laughs> in Chelsea winning the league again. Yeah, I mean, like, what more is there to to say about about Frank? I mean, I'm sure if you I'm sure if you stick a mic in front of him, he'll tell you what more there is to say. <laughs> but like, you know, surely that well has run dry for us, and and that in and of itself should tell Todd how bad an idea this is. You know, I I don't have the energy to go after him, an opposition manager, a shite opposition manager. I mean, the the rewards this man gets for failing would would make you wonder about the world, really, and. Yeah, didn't do his better job. He finished sixth for Derby, who had finished sixth the year before. Fourth for Chelsea, who had finished third the year before. Seventeenth <laughs> with Leicester, with Everton, who finished sixteenth the year before. It's absolutely insane. This man is failing upwards. Imagine getting sacked by Everton and getting the Chelsea job in the same season, two months apart. That is fucking bonkers. Like, if if Thomas Tuchel didn't get ten points in the first six games of the season. Chelsea would be in a relegation battle now, and I wouldn't be fucking backing against them going down either. It's absolutely <laughs> mad. Like Thomas Tuchel is keeping Chelsea up, and they're on to the third manager this season. It's crazy. And and and, and now like this is the fourth man of a fourth manager, fourth person in charge. That's not even right. Either. <laughs> Four people with the professional title of head coach who are giving fucking Havertz a whirl at centre forward. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. That's the first the first team that Frank Lampard picks has Havertz at centre forward. Sure isn't Havertz one of the reasons why Frank Lampard gets got sacked in the first place? He didn't want the German Conan. What the fuck is he doing picking him at centre forward? This is madness. It really is. And I was trying to think, you know, what what is the angle here? How how has this happened? And just like you say, I thought maybe Todd Bowley just thinks this is a bit of crack. You know, the season's over. This will get a bit of interest going, but I don't even know if it will anymore. It's just, like you say, the wells run dry. People have said everything there is to say about Frank Lampard's two terrible jobs in the Premier League. We've had all the fun we're going to have about Frank Lampard's two fun-filled, terrible jobs in the Premier League. And I, I wondered, was Bowley just trying to get in there on the entertainment factor, raise Chelsea's profile, <laughs> and then bring in a proper manager in the summer. But Jesus Christ. Oh Conan, you're, you're assuming that Todd Bowley knows anything about football. He doesn't know who Frank Lampard is. Yeah. Like, this isn't something like, let's get the fans back on board. He doesn't have a fucking clue who he is. It's bonkers. I was sitting next to somebody in the barbers there, and he was a Chelsea fan, as it turns out, as I was just ranting on to me barber about how bonkers the decision this was but he didn't have anything to say he couldn't even defend it at night in the world chelsea fan yeah. obviously loves frank lampard he's like oh yeah i don't know it's a, it's a bit strange and then i was talking about how shit a job he'd done previously at all his other jobs and he said yeah but like you know he finished fourth with a he finished fourth with a transfer ban i was like oh you're not fucking spinning that one to make yourself feel better are you that's <laughs> absolutely you don't, Come on, he fin- he got fucking sacked the following year, having spent two hundred and sixty million. It was a good thing there was a transfer ban the first year. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, there's, the reaction does seem to be that Chelsea fans are largely happy with this. Like they wanted rid of Graham Potter, who we said wasn't doing a good job. But Jesus, I would have said again, always find who you're bringing in 
It's like, well, if you're going to get Frank Lampard, let's keep Graham Potter. Let's keep somebody who has done good stuff in his, his career, at least. Frank Lampard is still to do that, and hopefully hopefully another 200 million in the summer might get in there. Yeah, but like this is the like this, why is he brought in as an interim manager? This is what this fucking lad getting a haircut was saying as well. Like not that I want to, you know, not that I'm appealing to him as some sort of authority on Chelsea, but he was saying like, oh, he's just there to do a he's just there to do a short term job until we get Nagelsmann and Enrique in the summer. Nagelsmann and Enrique are currently unemployed. Yeah. What the fuck are you waiting for? Just go hire them. At least United had apparently identified their man and waiting to the. And we're waiting until the summer, so they just wrote off a season, which is fucking bonkers. But you know, at least, at least, apparently, they couldn't afford ten million on on Ten Hag to get him out of his contract, even though they spent fifteen million and Daniel James fifty million on Armand Basaka. But I think I've gone over that before. You know, like this is this is the insane thing that a level of managers who are currently unemployed is bonkers, and they're going to hire Frank Lampard for the next game, surely. <laughs> The thing to do now would be to get in a manager because the manager who takes charge in the summer has to sell 20 players. Yeah. So give him the fucking next nine games to figure out which squad he's getting rid of. He's got a full squad to shed here. Get in a fucking manager. Get in your manager who's going to be there. Nagel's man is available. Fucking uh, Bielsa's available. Yeah. Zidane is available. Graham Potter's available, like you said. <laughs> but but this lad getting the haircut is talking shit because he like you're talking about players or managers who are available. But they they are Chelsea, they could just get the like, Graham Potter wasn't exactly. available, we just got him. Just Unai Emery wasn't available, we just got him. Go get the manager. Like tell Nagelsmann it's it. either no or never. Like what are you waiting on? Take the fucking job, stop do you want the job or not? You're not gonna get offered Chelsea again. Where is their self confidence? Pathetic. It's a, it is. It's absolutely pathetic. I have no idea what's going on. It, like, it's a terrible decision to not just go out and get your manager, and it's just compounded by giving this lad the job. <laughs> the lad with the haircut or Frank Lampard? <laughs> I would give it to the lad with a haircut because he know Frank Lampard's not going to succeed. The lad with a haircut might know something. Anyway, that's 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 all we have time for. Thanks a million for listening again. We have a week off now as well, so maybe the, the game today wasn't great it wasn't that energy filled it was an all win so that's absolutely brilliant it's great to be able to come on here and complain about a win um, maybe a week <laughs> week recovery will be <laughs> will be all all the better for it and it's a big one big one against Saudi Arabia so we will see next week thanks a million for listening and as always and please do share it on if you get the chance really appreciate it all the best Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.